Hi guys, welcome back ladies to part two of the power of a woman's influence. Obviously, if you have not listened to part one yet, then this episode might not make much sense to you. In summary, in part one, we talked about how because society measures influence by numbers, it automatically gives the title of influencer to anyone that has a large following online. But we contrasted this with the fact that the Bible teaches us that God categorically fashioned every woman to be an influencer. So it has nothing to do with your social media following and the such. However, we looked at the fact that God expects us as Christian women to use our influence for good and not evil. We then looked at the example of Potiphar's wife who sadly abused her power of influence and the lessons that we can learn from her mistakes. So without further ado, let's get into part two. Unlike Potiphar's wife, the second biblical female influencer that I want us to look at is someone who used their power of influence for good. And that person is Queen Esther. The story of Esther begins in the book named after her, the book of Esther, of course, in chapter one and ends in chapter seven. Now, the reason why I gave that disclaimer is because we're kind of gonna run through the entire book but in part without having to read the whole book and the bible says that esther was a young and extremely beautiful jewish orphan girl who was raised by her cousin mordecai that later became the queen of the persian empire and wife to king xerxes the first again i feel like when we talk about the story of esther much emphasis is placed on the fact that she was handpicked to become a Persian queen in replacement of the former queen Vashti, which is all well and good. But there's more to her story. And for the purpose of this series, I would like to focus mainly on how Esther used her position and power of influence as a queen for good to save the Jewish people, herself included, from being annihilated. So shortly after Esther was crowned, queen and became wife to King Xerxes. Her cousin Mordecai got wind of two palace chamberlains plot to assassinate the king, which he informed her about. Esther, of course, told her husband about this. And once further investigations were carried out and the allegations were found to be true, the two chamberlains were executed. After this happened, the king promoted a man named Haman the Agagite, over all the officials in his kingdom and even commanded them to always pay homage to Haman whenever they saw him. But Esther's cousin, Mordecai, never bowed down or paid homage to Haman. Mordecai's actions infuriated Haman to the point that he started plotting on how to kill him. But once Haman discovered that Mordecai was a Jew, his scheming got even more sinister because he then began plotting to kill all the Jews that lived throughout the entire kingdom of Xerxes. But knowing that he would need the king's permission to carry this out, Haman cunningly convinced King Xerxes to pass a decree for Jews in all his provinces to be exterminated. How, you ask? Well, Haman was able to convince the king by first twisting the story of how the Jews lived, like we read in Esther 3 verse 8, which says, Then Haman said to King Xerxes, 
there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their laws are different from those of all other people and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. What him was basically implying was that the Jews, you know, had changed their laws from what the Persians had set up in the way that they were living, um, as if to paint them and make them out to be these group of rebels who might revolt against the king any time. But based on biblical history, we know that's not true. The Jews were in a covenant relationship with Yahweh and as a way to set them apart as his chosen people in this special, unique relationship with him, he had given them a set of laws and rules to live by and obey. And nowhere in any of those laws was it permitted for them to hurt other people and to bring them harm. So we know that Haman was basically lying on the Jews. And the second tactic that he used to convince the king to agree to commit mass genocide, because that's what it was, or was going to be, was by vowing to pay 10,000 talents of silver into the king's treasuries, which I found would have been about 375 tons or 750,000 pounds in today's value for silver. That's about $8 an ounce, which would have been worth around 96 million dollars that's a lot of money so on the back of this the king agreed to it and letters were written in the name of king xerxes sealed with his signet ring in line with haman's request and sent by couriers to all the king's territories with specific instructions and i quote to destroy kill and annihilate the jews young and old women and children and to loot their goods that's recorded in Esther 3.13. I think it's important to know that all this while, the king was unaware of his wife's Jewish nationality because her cousin, Mordecai, back in Esther 2.20, advised her to keep it a secret. Once the letters got to the Jews as intended in all the king's provinces, they were grieved and greatly distressed, as we can imagine. Of course, This news about the king's decree got back to Queen Esther by some of her maids and servants, which also left her feeling distressed and saddened. So Esther wasted no time in sending an errand to her cousin to find out more information from him about why such a decree was passed in the first place. And in his response, he gave her a copy of the king's letter to read for herself and told his servants to basically relay that Haman had promised to pay to have the Jews destroyed. Mordecai also sent message to his cousin asking her to go into her husband and plead on behalf of her people. We know Esther of course wanted to help her people once she got her cousin's messages but she was reluctant to do as he had requested because there was a law throughout the Persian empire that stated that anyone that goes into the king's inner court uninvited was to be killed irrespective of their identity and purpose for coming unless the king held at his golden scepter signifying that such an individual should live 
And we read about that in Esther chapter 4 from verse 9 to 11. Now, when Esther's maid went back to Mordecai and told of her concerns, he urged her not to keep silent because her life was also on the line too. He even encouraged her to put her fears aside and consider if this was one of God's many reasons for allowing her to become a Persian queen at that point in history. So Esther was greatly inspired and encouraged by her cousin's words and sent a message to him again to gather all the Jews that were a Shushan and hold a three-day fast. Now Queen Esther and her maidens even joined her people on the fast because she made up her mind to go into the king's inner court at the end of the three days and face whatever consequences that came with it. At the end of the three days fasting, Esther went into the king's inner court. Thankfully, she was met with favour because the king held out his golden scepter the minute he saw her and asked her the reason for her visit with the promise to give her half of his kingdom, to which the queen replied that she only came to invite the king and Haman to a banquet she is prepared for the king. So Esther went on to host a total of two of these banquets for the king and Haman was invited to both ceremonies. I mean, talk about your extravagant for nothing gifts. We love to see it. Now, Queen Esther definitely knew how to spoil her husband. He was so moved by his wife's display of honour and extravagancy that he openly asked her again, what is your request, Queen Esther? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. It was this second time around that Queen Esther petitioned for her life and the life of all the Jews within his provinces to be spared. The king was shocked to even hear that someone would make an attempt at his wife's life and her people. Because remember, all that time he was still unaware of Queen Esther's ethnic background. Long story short, Esther revealed to the king that Haman was behind the plot to kill her and her people. The king was absolutely furious when he heard this and had Haman executed instead, along with his entire household. Unfortunately, the letters with his signet with the decree to annihilate the Jews were still floating around his territories, even after Haman was executed in their place. So this disturbed Esther, and rightly so, which then led her to further request that her husband send out subsequent letters overturning the previous instructions, which he did. Now, with that being said, ladies, there are a few lessons I think we should all learn from Queen Esther and apply in our lives as influencers. But I will only highlight three of those in this episode. One, as beautiful as Esther was, yet she was not vain or self-centered. She was the complete opposite. She was selfless, she was kind and caring, which is what prompted her to esteem the life of her people as equal to hers, to the extent that she boldly put her life at risk to save theirs. Two, upon hearing about Haman's plot against the Jews, Queen Esther did not resort to using her beauty to charm her husband, the king, with her looks as a way to persuade him to reverse his initial decree. Not to say there would have been anything wrong with that because that's her husband, they were married. But in certain cases, such as the impending threat to annihilate the Jews, a whole people group, the spiritual wisdom that only comes from God is what's required 
to handle that kind of situation. And we can see she clearly had this because, and she understood this because instead of relying on her looks to get the job done, she devoted herself to praying and fasting instead. And I believe that it is during these three days of consecration that God not only granted her the grace to find favour with the king when she went into his inner court uninvited because she could have easily been executed. But he also gave her the idea and wisdom to honour her husband in such a special way by preparing feasts that will move him to grant anything she requests for. And thirdly, as beautiful as Esther was, she was also a woman of noble character. Because even after she knew that half the Persian Empire was up for grabs, she only asked for her life and the life of her people to be spared. It just goes to show how humble she was because if she had requested for anything else, who knows, the Jews would probably be extinct today. And I I say all that to say, ladies, that being a godly influencer has nothing to do with our looks, age, platforms, or number of social media followers. Rather, as Christian women, our ability and power to use our influence for good comes from having Christ-like character aka the fruit of the spirit namely you already know what it is love joy peace patience faith kindness goodness gentleness and self-control because there is no law against these now contrary to what society portrays being a virtuous woman is still a virtue and what i mean by that is that true beauty comes from having good character, specifically, ladies, Christ-like character, which, of course, we know is not built in a day or through self-discipline or determination. No, it is the Holy Spirit that produces this in us. And as Pastor John Piper once said, real women mimic Christ. As Christian women, that's our standard because we are to be imitators of Christ and not the culture. Character defines us and determines how we lead our life from the choices we make to those we avoid and also how we treat people like we see in the life of Esther. So ladies, let's be more concerned with our character than our reputation because our character is what we really are while our reputation is merely what others think we are. Well, all in all, let's continue to let the Holy Spirit build our character because It is through that process that he will also teach us how to use our gifts for good and to bring God glory, which is all it's about. That's all for today. Thank you, ladies, for joining me. Until next time, peace and blessings.